Hey, what's good, family? Welcome to the Inspired House with Des Davis. I am your host, Desmond Davis, and we are so excited to have you with us. We got a great show for you today. Um, we have a really special guest that I'm really looking forward to presenting to y'all and y'all getting to know her. She is dope. Um, I call her cousin. We haven't known each other that long, but it just feels like Kendrick Spirits, feels like family. And so we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Shout out to all of our sponsors, all of our supporters, all of those folk who are help, who help kind of build the community and help build the house, right? So I don't want to take up any more time. So I want to introduce my guest, my cousin, family, friend, Rakita Franklin. How you doing? I'm good. You know, I'm always good when I'm in community with you. What's up, Kazo? <laughs> Yo, it's all love. I'm chilling, chilling. Can't complain. Weather's a little kind of uh right now. How's it looking your way right now? Man, it is rainy. The transition has got my sinuses doing the things that they do this time of year. But, you know, I'm pushing through. My body is trying to hold me back. But my mind is soaring today. So I'm good, yeah. no matter what the weather's hitting on. Hey, I love that. I love that. Yo, I have to say thank you so much for just blessing me with your time, talking to, to my community, talking to my family, and allowing me the privilege of talking to your community and your family. And so I just kind of want to get right into it, if that's okay with you. All right, let, let's get into it. Where are we going? Awesome. Okay. So you do so much. Like, you do a lot. So being an entrepreneur on the things that you do. And so I would just love for my audience, for those folk who don't know you, if you can kind of go into an introduction on who you are, what you do, and things like that, I think that would be really good to get my audience kind of caught up with, with the person that you are. Indeed. So first of all, Desmond, thank you for having me today. And Thank you for introducing me to your folks and just for you wanting to dive deeper into what it is that I do. So my name is Rakita Franklin, and I am the CEO of The Social Experience, where I help groups and teams connect through reflection, conversation, and commonality so that they bond quickly, deepen their existing connections, and collaborate more effectively. So that's what I do. I do it in the form of team bonding sessions. So I do small, intimate bonding sessions, maybe 20, 40 people. I also do larger groups, over 100 plus people. And I facilitate conference networking spaces to make sure that folks actually get the opportunity to talk, connect, and make meaningful connections, especially within that conference space. Um, in addition to my signature offer, which is the social experience, uh, I also do trainings, workshops, and keynote experiences on topics surrounding self-discovery, relationship building, uh, communication, and connection. So that is what I do as an entrepreneur. That is fire. Okay. So, so it sounds like with a lot of what you're focusing in on, it's sort of really a skill set that I think we as people sort of lost in, in the age of social media and the age of technology as sort of like maybe even a byproduct of COVID, this ability to really connect and make those meaningful connections, those interpersonal skills and things like that. And so what, like, what have been some ways that you've like successfully established those type of connections? Like what, what, like what made you kind of 
realize in this work, like, yo, I'm I'm really good at building these connections. What does that look like for you? To be honest, it started a very, very, very long time ago as a resident advisor at the Lincoln University of Missouri. I'm a proud HBCU alum. And I was a resident advisor and I became head resident advisor and then resident advisor of the year. And all of that programming is steeped in community. Like all of res life programming is steeped in well-being and belonging and things of that nature. So that's really when I knew not only that I was like really good at connecting people, but that I loved it. Because being an RA to date is probably the best job I've ever had. I like it a lot better hey. than being an entrepreneur. It was a lot less work. Uh <laughs> hey. hey, shout out to the RAs. Shout out to Res Life from one Res Life person to another. Well, yeah, like Res Life was the beginning just in general with that building connections, bringing folks together and creating programming that is dynamic and engaging. Um, the social experience came about, I think I told you, I was hosting a brunch. I was a part of this group. Yeah, I was a part of this group of women and we would brunch quarterly in pre-pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, we tried to do a few things virtually. It wasn't quite the same and we didn't have that same energy. So 2022 came along and I'm like, I miss my people. When are we going to brunch again? Because I need to get together. I want a fellowship and I need a little kiki with my girls. So I reached out. <laughs> I reached out to the group admin to ask, like, hey, when is the next brunch? And you know how our people do. So then I was asked to host the next brunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, and I, I was like, what does this look like post pandemic? Because I was clearly aware that some things needed to change in the ways that we approach some of our relationships definitely needed to change as we transition to this life with COVID, you know. And um, I remember my first brunch and I was sitting in a large circle of women and I became closest to the women sitting next to me, like the woman, like three or four folks down on either side. So I thought, how can I make this a meaningful experience so folks have the opportunity to be close to the woman across the room from them? So that is where the concept of the social experience came from. Like that was the social experience prototype. And I knew I had to do it again because for the people who missed it, they were like, when are you doing it again? I heard so many great things. For the people who were there, they were like, I don't know when the next one is, but sign me up. So that's when I said, I... I was like, I think I have something here. So I tried doing my own. Well, not I tried. Let me reframe. I did my own solo event after that, right? <laughs> Bring it back. So after that, that was in June of 2022. So then I did my own solo event in December of 2022, where I did networking and line dancing. I was like, you know what? We're going to get to know each other first through these curated prompts, and then we're going to dance together. And I learned so much by doing my solo event. Um, one, that I could do it. Two, that I don't think I want to. <laughs> As a solopreneur, I just didn't want to deal with all of the moving pieces that comes with throwing your own events. And the third thing that I learned was that this is wonderful. However, I think that it would be a better use of my time to go into existing communities. 
This way, I don't have to ensure that people are showing up. If I go into existing communities, we have already identified that there is a need for this service. So then I can come and focus on the connection piece and not the other factors. Okay. I like that. So, so real quick, I, I want to circle back and it's going to be a, a goofy thing to circle back to. And I want to hit these other things that you said, but you said kind of this connection and line dancing. Yeah. What, what kind of dances were y'all doing? So my mother in love is a line dance instructor. So she came and she was an instructor and I decided that we should do line dances to songs that we hear all the time when we go out. So it was like Chris Brown, Girl Crazy. We did uh, Too Short, uh, Blow the Whistle. We did, we definitely hey. had to do the Samia. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. We did yep. Are You Living's Pressure. We did Hours and Hours by Money Long. So we just, I decided, because I like to give applicable knowledge. So I was like, what are songs that we hear right now at this time that have line dances to them? So my mother came through and she showed us the dances and we had such a great time. Yo, I had no clue that there were line dances. Like, for hours and hours and hours, I had no clue. I don't know. That's it's cool. hard. I try to do it. I don't have it. <laughs> and and for blow the whistle, you talk about blow the whistle. Hey, yes, there's a line dance today. Oh, I okay, okay. I might need you to show me what that is because, like, that's my that's my go to. Um, and then <laughs> we might do that in church. Um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> so. You, you execute. You you do something. You kind of put yourself out there. You sort of kind of take a risk, right? You're like, yo, I'm gonna take this risk. Um, I'm gonna do this. You you get hit with the oh, that's a good idea. If you have an idea, you gotta own it, right? And and that's just in our communities, and also I guess probably in the in the corporate world. If you have an idea, there's gonna be this expectation that cool. You don't just get to have an idea and not own it. You have to own it. And so you you put yourself out there and you get it done. And you're saying like, yo, not really. I got it done. It was cool. I'm not really feeling this in terms of all the logistics and things like that. So what was it about the logistics? Even though you were able to do it, what was it about the logistics? You were just like, I can do it, but nah. The one thing that made me say, nah was attendance that was the most stressful part um when the goal is to connect folks and to create meaningful engagement and interaction and i don't want to be stressed out by the fact that you know as many people didn't sign up as i wanted to i didn't know if i was going to make any money so at one point the focus was to at least just financially break even and I just did not want my focus to be there. However, curating the space was what I was in love with. So even now when I work with coordinators and such, I still collaborate with them to curate the space. I ask, what space are you thinking of using? Is there natural light? What do you usually use this space for? Because I don't want people to have trauma responses to the spaces that we're in if they're used for other things. So I really am intentional mm. 
still about the space, even though I'm not the one reserving the rooms or paying for the venue. But it was attendance. It stressed me out. I didn't want those type of stressors because I wanted to focus on the event. Hmm. I like that. And so that almost kind of sounds like a hack. Like if if we're talking to professionals and we're talking to entrepreneurs who want to do these things, maybe instead of like having like buying into the idea that you have to do this all yourself, it's like collaborating with like preset type venues, conferences, maybe. Does that sound about right? Yeah, you definitely want to collaborate, um, especially in the beginning, if you're not as large as you want to be, or it just depends on what you want to focus on the most. Like I said, what I want to focus on the most, most is the intentional engagement piece. So like, yeah, going to conferences, and I just like to work with groups that I'm personally on fire about. So if I already love what you're doing anyway, it means that we are probably in alignment. So let's collaborate because I want to make this space the best that it can be. So yeah, collaboration really is key. I love that. So then if you're taking the time, you're like collaborating, it's then helping you sort of, it's, it's letting you not as much keep bandwidth, but you can prioritize more bandwidth in the things that you really want to execute. Yeah. If I'm collaborating mm. with a group, then I get to focus on the audience. And what mm. I like the most with having a set audience is I can talk to the event organizer, the conference organizer, whoever it is that I'm talking to or working with. And then I can ask these really in-depth questions and get an audience analysis so that I can make this experience detailed and catered to my audience. When you have a general admission event, it is hard to do. It is sometimes hard to do an audience analysis. Like you may know who your audience is and you spend money to target that audience, but you really don't know exactly who's going to be in the room. But when you collaborate with other spaces and folks, you know exactly who's going to be in the room. So I get to curate everything down from the questions, even down to the playlist that I create to be specific to that audience. I love that. And so then it sounds like using that and having someone collaborating, letting them do that part to let you kind of put all your bandwidth there. And then you go from kind of delivering to over delivering. And so what was sort of the, if you had to compare the one that you did by yourself that you executed you had the lion dancing, you had all of that compared to the collaborative piece. What would you say kind of was, do you feel like you got better like results? Did you feel like you were able to over deliver even more, would you say, or, or do you feel like you kind of broke even? So you came here to ask the hard questions today. Okay. Okay, Desmond. You already know. <laughs> um, what I found was the difference was since I didn't have to focus on getting butts and seats, so to say, when I work with other groups, it wasn't as stressful. However, I feel like the outcomes may have been the same, maybe slightly better. And I only say that because when I did my own, I had to politic to my friends and family and folks that I knew. So there were only two or three people in the room that I did not know. For the most part, they were my friends and family. So I know the outcomes because I know these people. So folks within that group have worked together professionally. So for me, that's the bonus. Like that's exactly what I wanted to happen. The right people were in the room together so that they could now go on and do their own business together. 
So I know what the outcomes are of that group. So I'm going to say that the one that I did was very successful. I had a blast and everyone else enjoyed it. So it wasn't, there was no lack of success. It's just that as a business owner, I'm aiming to put more ease into my life and trying to focusing on getting people to the event was not very easeful and it was very stressful. And I'm trying to live a life with the least amount of stress as possible. I love that. I love that. And so with with being able to kind of collaborate, it it takes away some of that stress, which I think sometimes we don't talk about enough as like entrepreneurs, as people who are starting businesses, is this idea of when you do things by yourself, yeah, you're the boss, but you don't just own in terms of just the you don't then just own the profit. You don't you don't then just own the experience. But then guess what? You also get to own the stress, right? You the boss, you get to own all those things, right? And so being able to kind of like offship that that stress to somebody else so that you can focus on what you got to do, right? That's probably that that extra piece, that 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 bonus of just being able to chill a little bit. And so I love kind of how you kind of how you're explaining that. And and it makes me kind of curious with this skill set that you have of not just bringing people and also real quick actually i want to jump to this you talked about how when you first started your very first one there were only a few people that you didn't know so majority of the folk you did know now you've done this a number of times now with all types of crowds and all this stuff and you have testimonials and all those things but starting out there were majority of the people who kind of supported you were the folk that you know. And I think, and I don't know, this is kind of what I found with people that I mentor and I wanted to bounce this off for you, like with my mentees who want to start businesses and things like that. Sometimes there can be this expectation of like, oh, I'm about to, um, I'm going to have like hundreds of people off rip and, and, and it's going to be all of this and I'm not going to, and they can almost try to avoid the folk that they know because they want to get everybody else and not tap into their into their main resources. So tapping into like your connections, tapping into your network, do you feel like that was was there any like boost in confidence because like you knew you were like among family like in terms of getting this out the first time or 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 what do you say or was it just like I I I woke up like this, I got it. It didn't matter who was there. <laughs> I wanted to go big just because I was like, hey, let's make some money, right? Uh, however, I had like 40 people, which for me is a success for a first event. That's a fact. And initially, I did not want to focus on my friends and family. Like, I did not want to be, I did not want to be that person where every time you see me, I'm trying to sell you something. <laughs> Like I definitely want to make you aware. <laughs> like the multi-tiered. I'm not gonna say any yeah. names. However, I do want you to be aware of what it is I have going on. And if you are naturally inquisitive and it really piques your interest, then I do want to go further. But as far as like beating folks over the head with selling what I had going on, I didn't want to be that friend or family member. So initially. I put it on social media, I put it on Eventbrite, and I was not getting the response that I wanted. So I did. I 
not only reached out to my friends and family, but I also made the event Pay What You Can. And then I also had a donation link. So I reached out to my friends and family across the country and just asked, hey, would you be willing to sponsor a ticket for someone else to come? And that is how I was able to financially break even and then also get more people in the room because as it may be, there were people who were interested, but at the price point, just weren't able to afford the event. So having folks sponsor those tickets made it easy. But initially, I didn't want to. Even now, I like to for my friends and family to know what it is that I'm doing. And I always ask if there's anyone in their network that they believe would benefit from my services. And then that is usually it. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to come through with the, every time you see me, I'm like hustle man from Martin. Like I got the merchandise, like I'm trying to sell you something every time you see me. I don't want to be that cousin. So. (laughs) That, yo, that is like a hack, real, like real talk. So that was fire. So I, I just had to pause because that hack you just gave to go to the folk that you know and instead of like pitching them solely what your product is you ask them if they if they knew somebody could you kind of explain that a little bit more yeah so i really got that hack to be honest from the coaching program that i'm in called speaking for profit but the goal is for everyone within my sphere of influence to know exactly what it is that i do and how i do it and The thing is, all of my friends and family won't need my services. All of my friends and family may not desire, they may not have the desire to support me in those ways. And that's okay. That is okay. But I always like to ask, is there anyone in your network that you believe could benefit from my services? Um, Is there a need for my services within your workplace? Would Would you be willing to Give me a warm email introduction. And Desmond knows that I do this. He's like, what can I do? How can I support? And I'm like, could you give me a warm email introduction? <laughs> so, it, so then I can I can talk to your people. You don't have to like politic on my behalf. All I want you to say is like, she's dope. She's fire. I've worked with her before. I love her energy. I think that you can benefit from this. And that's all I need. And once I have the conversation, then I can qualify those folks, right? Have that discovery call and see if we are in alignment to see if the things that this organization is doing um, aligns with my core values and my mission, vision, and business values. So I just need that alley-oop. I just need that introduction. And then we can figure that out amongst ourselves. I love that. I love that. So for those who's listening, I hope you heard that because I was just some like, that was like a fire gem right there that I think can help people even tackle that anxiety of putting themselves out there. Because I think there's a lot of folk who will probably be listening that you have a really good product. You have a really great idea, but you just got to get over some of that social anxiety, some of that social pressure of like, well, what if I put myself out there and they don't really like it? Yo, do what do what Rakita was talking about. Go to the people that you know and ask them if they know somebody. And especially if it's people that you know, because if they know you, they know you're dope. They know what you got going on and and, and what you're about. They'll show you love. And if you're not dope, they're going to save you from embarrassment. You know what I mean? They kind of make sure that it's like, ah, yo, cuz, I don't know about that just yet. I'm not going to. I think you should take this back to the drawing board. And so 
I think that's awesome. You mentioned, Rakita, that you started out, um, you went to an HBCU, correct? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. You went to an HBCU, so shout out to our HBCUs. And you discussed a little bit on how during your time, you started out as an RA, doing programming and stuff. And I would just love to hear a little bit more of how did that influence kind of your skill set and help you realize like, yo, I'm actually really dope at this. Thanks for asking about my time as an RA. Cause as I mentioned before, there were good, they were just good times uh, moving up in the ranks as an RA, like to go from being a resident advisor to being the head resident advisor who looked at people's programs before it went to the resident director and then to be RA of the year, to have program of the year, uh, even as a resident advisor, I was doing programming for the entire campus and then eventually inviting the community in and um, doing communal programming as well. So my my HBCU really nurtured me, like Lincoln University really nurtured me in those ways. And being a resident advisor gave me a full view of what it looks like to put together a successful and engaging program. like from the people, from working with my target audience, from securing a venue, from working with AV and making sure those things are together, like really having to do an event from scratch and check off all the boxes from A to Z. And to do that as a 19 year old really has informed the way that I view the world, the way that I view other programs that I attend and the ways that I view my trainings and workshops. It is being thorough. It is that practice and being thorough that has informed my the social experience. Like I said, even though I'm not securing venues at this point, because once <laughs> your girl gets a little larger and I have some assistance, we definitely, I definitely will be having my own platforms and my own events again because I love event coordination and programming. But that those foundations and being thorough and being complete is really what helped out. I love that. So I guess you breaking that down and kind of was that something that you knew from the get go of like being an RA, doing the doing the logistical work and doing sort of the the behind the scene thing so that you can execute as well as you do. Were you going into the RA job like, oh, I'm about to be able to use this skill for when I start the social experience? Or was this something kind of after the fact, you realize, yo, I got this skill set that I can use. Dog, nah, I just wanted some free room and board. And I was like, if the job means sitting down at the front desk, I can do that for work, right? So that's really <laughs> kind of how it started. I was an out-of-state student and I needed free room and board. And I seen some other RAs and I was like, if they can do it, I know I can. Um, but then I began... <laughs> RA training and realized like, oh, this entails a lot more than I thought. And then the head RD at the time, Miss Linda, really broke down the training, like what it takes to do a successful program. Um, before we left RA training, we always had to have these events done before the end of training. Like you need to plan two to three events like, in August before we finish this training. So that forethought 
And they always told us the things that you learned today in RA training, you will take with you for the rest of your life. And I don't know if I believed it at the time. However, uh, it is definitely true. And I definitely take all of my training with me into every position that I have done thereafter, because I've had at least three or four positions um, where I have been the first person to be in that role. So I've had to build it from the ground up. And that thoroughness that I received as an RA really translated to me being a, a career transition specialist with Job Corps. It's transitioned to me being a student outreach specialist with student support services at Lincoln University. It translated to me being a complex director at the University of Kentucky because I was the first person to run those three buildings as a complex. It translated, flex, flex. it translated to me being a violence prevention coordinator where I was the first person to have the role of not the education piece, but to engage faculty, staff and professional students in topics surrounding interpersonal violence. So it really translated to almost every job I had post undergrad. Yo, wow. So it, it carried the, the experiences you had by kind of just being willing to put yourself out there, right? Being willing to just, you seen, right? And, and, and we, and anybody that was worth like their weight in being an RA, I think that's the case for a lot of folk of like, we see somebody else do it and we're like, oh, that person's whack. If they can do it, I can do it. Like, cause that was low key. That was my experience. I saw like mad RAs in, in my profession, uh, back at my school, shout out to Alfred University. Um, well, we had RAs and I was like, yo, these RAs suck. Like if they can do it, I can do it. And so, and, and you're right. It was the, it was the eventing. It was the programming. It was the making the connections and the follow-up and being comfortable with putting yourself out there and also being comfortable with having difficult conversations that like real quick, let me, let me just say this real quick. If you are in college and you're looking to try to get more experience, really consider being an RA and go in being an RA with, with an expectation and a mindset of what you're trying to do in the future and yeah. do your best to bring that into what you have to offer in your RA job, right? I always knew I was going to be some type of public speaker, right? Degree in communications, all that stuff. So a lot of my events, I was either doing like a Kahoot, I was presenting open mic nights, stuff like that, because it lined up, it was on brand with what I wanted to do. And I think what you're talking about, Rakita, is so important. And it's just, and it's something that we kind of, again, for me, looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that was my interest. But I think if we're just more intentional, if we were more intentional, like, as like, even back when we were like undergrad of like, yo, I think this is what I want to do. This is how I want to, if people were talking to us about this, it's like, I could have done even more dope stuff. You know what I mean? And so what, go ahead. No, I, I agree with you. Had I been more intentional about the things that I wanted to do in the future, like it really could have been a lot more beneficial for me. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I have a bachelor of liberal studies with an emphasis in vocal music and philosophy. Okay. So when I I don't <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, but when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, I guess I was just in college trying to find myself. Um, I was in school for six years. Okay. 
not mm-hmm. because I was flunking out, but because I was having a blast. And then one day I looked around and didn't recognize anyone and was like, oh, I guess it's time for me to graduate. You <laughs> said it's time for me to bounce. Oh, I really be a singer. I don't have what it takes to be a singer, Desmond. My friends who were real artsy and who were real artsy, they were like, they had a lot of roommates and they were traveling to cities and taking showers at the YMCA. And I was like, I don't have that. I I, I want to uh-huh. live alone. I need sick days. Um, I realized real early on I needed to be a salaried employee. So I had to find me a plan B real quick post-graduation. But I was just in school trying to kick in and having fun. And being an RA was a blast for me. So had I had a little more direction and been a little more focused, it really would have been the foundations that would have taken me a lot farther. However, comma, everything that I have learned and all of the experiences that I have gained have truly made me the person I am today. Like that unfocused nature of the younger version of me is one who wants to equip the next generation with the tools that they need to go further. Like the fact that I was in school and did not know what was going on leads me to have conversations with youth who don't seem to have the focus and don't seem to know what it is that they're interested in. And now I want to have these conversations because now you need to have some more experiences so that you can at least decide what you don't want to do. And hopefully it will lead you to the things that you do want to do. So my, my, uh, fun party ways, Led me to meet a lot of people, (laughs) led me to do a lot of things, and I'm pleased with it. I've had a wonderful life, and it informs the way that I approach the social experience. It really does. I love that. And and what I appreciate about what you're saying is it sounds like you don't, contrary to what people may think, I don't know about you, but for me, I found like a lot of what I'm doing, I didn't just stumble across the entire blueprint, right? I might have stumbled across an idea, but then as I move forward, it required some reflection, it required some journaling, it required some some intentionality, you know what I mean? And I think with what you're talking about, it sounds like maybe you kind of walked into some stuff and you realized, and then once you realize like, yo, this might be something, then you kind of really honed in and focused in, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I really did. And I have a master's degree in adult education and training. And before I started grad school, I wanted to, the goal was to be a student affairs professional. And then I finished my master's degree and then I was a student affairs professional. And then the profession almost killed me. So then that's when I started thinking about entrepreneurship and I am not doing the things that I thought I would be doing when I initially started grad school. However, my education and my theory informs everything that I do now. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yo, cause we got, we kind of got to talk about it, right? We, we got a little bit of time left and I think it's really important that we talked about, talk about this. You said, and I quote, um, my time in higher education almost killed me. Yeah. And I think, I don't think, I know you're not being dramatic. And I think that's something that we don't talk a lot about. And I think if if you're willing to kind of go there, I think 
at least for our higher ed friends and stuff, that we might not, we might need to have like a mini conversation about just the higher ed world and job and experience, especially I would say for folk of color, right? Um, but I don't know, like you got you down to talk about that for a second? I'll talk about it a little bit. <laughs> I love it. So, so so bet so check it so I, I never want to challenge folk with things i'm not willing to do so i don't know about you but like for me when i was doing my thing in higher education right and oftentimes when you're sort of that like lone one person of color at least for me anyway it can be like really tiring and you can really find yourself where you're you're kind of over like extending yourself, like bandwidth is completely gone because for me working in a predominantly white institution, I was mainly kind of the go-to for anybody that was like a black student. Mm. And so now you're doing the hours, you're doing the work, you're putting in the time, trying to meet your goals. And then you're also following up and you're being a mentor to like 300 kids because they don't have anybody else that looks like them. And I think at times, the higher education space, I don't think they're ignorant of that. And I think there's times where it's, they like higher education knows that they're going to find folk that you have to be uniquely passionate about that type of work to go into higher education. I think it's a lot like social work. You don't just, you're not going into social work for the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think with that comes the the possibility if if institutions or managers or people who want to go into higher ed aren't careful, right, that you can run into this space where you get burnt out and kind of used up. And I don't know about you, but that was that was kind of my experience. And and I'd be interested in hearing kind of like what was yours? I had I've had some of those experiences. I will say just like at one point I kind of woke up and realized like being a singer and an entertainer was not the life for me. Like long term, I just did not see that that was a lifestyle for me. That is kind of how I felt about being a student affairs professional. Mm-hmm. That was not the lifestyle that I wanted to lead. I did not want to work evenings. I did not want for every email to be triggering because everything feels like a fire that I'm putting out and to be a resident director to know that there may be literal fires <laughs> to put out like the responsibility of keeping all of these people alive was stressful for me. Um, so at one point I was um, health wise, I was testing in diabetic ranges. I was getting stress induced migraines Uh, I had a a doctor who told me several times that I needed a new job, you know, and when I wanted to get out of, you know, student affairs and transition to uh, human resources, because I do have this master's degree in adult education and training, and I wanted to do more training and wanted to work more in my field of my, um, within my educational background. And I was passed over for a position that I was qualified for. I don't know if I was overqualified, but I was definitely qualified. And for the first time in my life, I checked all of the boxes, like even the education. I had never even, (laughs) 
I've never been able to really check the education degree. I just get in the interview and I make the connections for the interviewer, you know, why my education is applicable for the position. And they didn't select me and they, they did not have any feedback for me. And that was when I decided that I wasn't going to let people tell me no, especially when I knew that I could do it. And that was when I began thinking about entrepreneurship. But I just found that that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. And in that position as a resident director, to be honest, I felt like most days I was working within my areas that needed improvement. And I was not working within my areas of strengths enough. And because Mm. I was enough personal wins, it did not feel good. Mm. Mm. Wow. And and knowing all of that, I think for our audience, we 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 kind of have folk who might be listening in, whether it's higher education or whether it's another type of role that they're doing. Um, they resonate that that holds true for them. What advice, maybe if it's kind of even even if it's a matter of kind of courage and stuff, like what? what happened in you what what did you build up within yourself to kind of make that pivot to make that move would you say there were a few things um at one point i just realized that i deserve to have the things that i want and desire and because my health was failing in those ways i just woke up i'm like girl you got two degrees um, making money will not be an issue. Like you will find, you will find something else. There will be something else. And I wanted to start this business and I was like, I need some extra money and I need some extra time. And so 20 December, 2019 is when I was turned down for that position in, in human resources. And January, 2020 is when I when they sent out the letters for the intent to return and I decided that I was not returning in that role. And then March, 2020 hit. And then that's when I set a date. I said, um, I am not returning. This is already a difficult job and it looks like it's going to get much harder. Uh, the world is something going on with the world right now. So I will be okay. Financially, I will make a way. And in April 2020 is when my LLC paperwork was finished. So in March is when I sat down because I had that extra time. And then I taught a course that semester. So I had some extra money and I went to the drawing board and started to think about what owning my own business would look like for me. And those were the steps. It was just like, I deserve better. This is something that I've been thinking about anyway. Let's see what happens. So not only are you out here taking a chance and taking a risk, mind you though, calculated. calculated. It sounds like you took a risk, a calculated risk. We, we like we ain't out here like we we ain't out here telling y'all to just up and leave everything with no plan, right? Don't come back and say Desmond and Rakita, you told me to just go for it and I did. No, no, nah, baby, ain't nobody tell you to do all that. Ain't ain't nobody tell you to do all that. But you took a calculated risk in the midst of COVID. Yeah. I'm not going to make it seem like it was all roses. Like, I'm not I'm not going to do that either. I took this risk. And then um, I started this LLC. And I'm like, oh, 
I think there's some more things I want to learn. So I went back to higher education and took a position that was like student affairs adjacent. However, as a coordinator, I was still training and working on curriculum and still doing programming and still doing that engagement piece. But at this point, I didn't have to supervise a whole bunch of folks. So I had that burden of responsibility kind of taken off me. And when I went back to higher education, not only did I work on the things that I wanted to work on in my business, but I also paid off all my debt, paid my credit cards off, paid my car off. Like I, I used that time to pay my debts down and, this, and stack some money for the business. We don't like to talk about that. We talk about chasing the bad, but we don't like to talk about paying off debt. And so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. I love that. Yo, so um, so kind of my last two questions for you is if you could leave um, I, I first you kind of have some things that are coming down the pike that I would love to kind of talk about. So I would just wanted to know real quick as we finish up is um wanted to give the space to you because you do so much and I think our audience probably already loves you now. So what do you got coming down the pike? What are some things and products you have rolling out that you would like to share? Thank you for giving me this platform to share, Desmond, because the social experience is always that's my baby. And that's what I love to do really the most. And that is where I really connect these teams and groups through conversation, reflection, and commonality. So for all those event planners, folks planning conferences and large-scale meetings and things of that nature, the social experience really is. It's great for existing teams. It's wonderful if you have new folks to the team and any mixture in between. And when I can't come to your events, meetings, or whatever, I have conversation cards coming. I'm so excited about these. They're conversation cards for uh, reflection and connection. So not only can you use them with one another, but they're also really great journal prompts. Uh, and I also have an ebook that I want. Yes, I have an ebook and it'll be available in November. It's called Rooted in Realness, Your Journey to Authentic Relationships. So the ebook is coming and soon, look, Desmond don't even know about this, y'all. So soon I'm going to start hosting virtual co-working spaces. I really love to be in community with folks and why not get together and co-work when we can. So Desmond, that's what I have going on. Yo, you were holding out. I didn't know about that last one. Okay. Okay. That is fire. That is fire. So you, so wow. So yo, those conversation cards, I already, I already pre-ordered mine, right? Don't ask how I did that, but this is my cousin. So like, I ain't going to front. I definitely like <laughs> bent the rules. I'm like, yo, look, let me, let me get these cards ahead of time. So I highly recommend these things are awesome. I can't wait to use this with my teams. And when I'm doing workshops and stuff like that, like I'm going to be using those. They're great for onboarding. They're great for kind of one-on-ones. Like there's so, these things are just, they're so versatile. And I think that's what I really appreciate about what you did with this type of product is just the versatility in, in it and, and the open-ended conversations and providing a service on something that we're not really good at. And so Real quick, if I can, for the last bit, 
Um, I want to hand it to you. We always like to ask um, kind of our guest. This is the Inspired House. And if you can kind of leave our audience with just some inspired words, something to kind of get them through the week. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll do my best. I don't know how you have come to us today. I don't know how you feel. I don't know what's going on. But what I will tell you is to root yourself and your core values. And if you don't have core values, I highly recommend that you establish them. Your core values are your anchors and they bring you back to who you are. And they're your guide to help you come back to who you are. So just root yourself in your core values this week and it's going to be all right. I love that. I love that. Yo, cuz thank you. And also, um, shameless plug, you heard Rakita talk about core values. If you're saying, Rakita, Desmond, that sounds good, but I need to kind of establish those. In the link in my bio, you will see my ebook, the Be the Brand ebook, that helps you actually walk through all of your core values and create what we would call brand statements that you can use really as your team, your team as system to help you make decisions, to help you be like Rakita and know based off your core values, what you want to do versus what you don't want to do so that you can go and you can establish your social experience so that you can go and that you can create your products and that you can go and look and say, yo, I value my health. And right now, higher education is not benefiting my health. So based off my values, I'm going to see y'all later. And so you can kind of have that same type of team, that same type of, you know, angel on your shoulder to help you make those decisions and be successful. So if that's something you're interested in, the link will be in the bio, along with all the stuff regarding Rakita and her website and everything else. And we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you for coming to the Inspired House. Stay inspired and we'll see you next week. Peace.